Welcome to this week's edition of Riff Raff News, and this week we're going to be asking, are the government on the rack? <laughs> See what you did there? On the rack. That's <laughs> yeah, very that's funny. It. Yeah. That's it. We better explain it. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I presume you're talking about reinforced, autoclaved, aerated concrete. <laughs> This is yes. <laughs> you got through that well, sure. Yeah, thank you. I, I've got my right teeth in today. A, a lightweight material that was used mostly in, in flat roofing, but also in floors and walls between the 1950s and 1990s. Okay. I think it was just after, um, you know, basically after the Second World War, when um, Macmillan, you never had it so good in the 50s, was, um, was building. I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? I know it's a question that you're probably... I'm going to raise later on whether it was used in in any domestic properties, but um, yeah. so it's it's cheaper than standard concrete, which won't surprise you. Cheaper to produce and cheaper to install. It's described as aerated or bubbly, like a, an aero chocolate bar. You've probably seen loads of people on on the TV snapping this stuff apart at the moment and showing how strong it is in terms of yeah. this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Less durable than concrete, with a lifespan of about 30 years. Yeah. And it behaves structurally different to concrete. So, if, well, as you, as you can imagine, if water gets in something that's got bubbles inside, if water gets into it, then it's a lot less sustainable than the concrete. Yeah, I also picked up that the, it uses um, steel rods within it to reinforce it. And yeah. if water does penetrate, they rust and then they expand yeah and that can cause cracking so it's not just it's the water is a bad thing but it's a bad thing because it makes the steel rods rust it's it's all round um pretty pretty useless in that regard isn't it i think yeah. it was probably used because it was cheap to um get building going again after the second world war and um and, and, and get um hospitals up and running and what have you but it was never intended we seem to do this in this country, don't we? we? We want to do something, governments want to do something now, but they don't look at the long-term consequences. So if they can build something now, who cares what happens in 30 yeah, years? Because, you, you know, if you're Starmer or Sunak, you're not fighting the election in 2070 no. or something, are you? No, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so you don't, inverted commas, maybe you don't care? No. And, and that, that's, um, yeah, that's probably... I mean, I, I suppose in terms of those governments that were around after the Second World War and into the 50s, they they were paying back this huge debt and they had a, a lot more, other, a lot of other things to concentrate on in terms yeah. of rebuilding the country, didn't they, than, yeah, yeah. than, than those of today. Interestingly, the, um, the health and safety executive have said of, of RAC now that it's um, beyond its lifespan and may collapse with little or no notice, which is encouraging. Um, so that, that, that's, that's the background. Um, right. What have you been looking into? What have you... Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see you know, some of the commentary and some of the stats. Uh, I, 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 it's not a laughing matter, but the former president of the Institution for Structural Engineers, so probably the right bod, mm. doctor... John Roberts, no less, told right. the Times that, quote, quite a lot of us wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. 
<laughs> so not what you would call a ringing endorsement from someone who would probably know. Mm. Um, the uh, I've been I'm keeping an eye on the the education secretary because it's always it, sort of interesting politically to see mm. how. Uh, it's Gillian Keegan, him. isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. See how ministers respond because not everyone has a crisis, but you know, you, you normally do if you do it for long enough. Um, <laughs> somewhat unfortunately, she declared that fifteen hundred of the schools uh, who've been asked have no idea if they have a rack as they haven't been inspected yet. <laughs> that wasn't good, uh, and on the basis that one percent so far who have been inspected have revealed it. That's potentially 15 schools are welcoming children back on Wednesday or even today without realising they have a problem. Uh, Gillian uh, was very quick to blame councils and academy trusts for failing to tackle the problem soon enough. That was interesting. But the bigger picture is questionnaires were sent to 14,900 schools. 90% had returned, uh, hence this 1,500 gap who hadn't. Uh, and when you boil it all down, I think the number of schools at the moment that have identified is thought to be 156. I don't know if you've had a different number. No, I think um, that was about uh, the, uh, the yeah. number. So, but if you think about how many children that is and the impact on parents and children uh, if they've suddenly got to make last-minute arrangements or they have already had to make last-minute arrangements. Mm. That's pretty That's pretty, uh, That's pretty. pretty serious stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you've got the blame game. By the way, have you seen the video, the very inappropriate video that um, Keegan has released? No, do tell me more. It's, it's one of those videos which, again, you know, being generous... Best of intentions, no doubt. I think it's on the uh, Department of Education's site. Mm. Uh, but it's one of those videos where the question is asked in text and then the person, in this case Keegan, answers it. Right. So, yeah, this is not an interview, but it's a text and an answer. And she's trying to sort of answer the top, top questions on this. But rather... <laughs> I think lazily, it's the background is also a bit of dance music going on, <laughs> and it, it just you know, and you think, my goodness me, with all the money they have on media and comms, yeah. shouldn't somebody have said, I don't think a background of dance music is right for something as serious as this? Not appropriate, anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that, yeah, that's probably neither here nor there, but you know, it just sort of adds to the incompetence of it all. Um, I don't know. Uh, what, there are so many questions here. And then, as we were talking before we came on air, then inevitably uh, somebody quite <laughs> has targeted Sunak in the blame game. And uh, apparently um, he wouldn't respond to requests from the Department of Education to rebuild three to 400 schools. That was cut to 100, and then allegedly he reduced the 100 to 50 uh, in one of his early budgets. Um, yeah. So this, the source here was a guy called Jonathan Slater, who was permanent secretary for the Department of Education for four years. So he knows a little bit about what he's talking, really. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I have to say, I thought these guys were bound by the Official Secrets Act. Uh, whether, whether that doesn't 
applied to the education department, but I didn't think you can come out with stuff like that if you've been a civil well, servant. He's being quoted in all the papers this morning as a whistleblower. So obviously he's oh, allowed okay. to come out in That's terms different. of... That's different. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, exactly. He's, oh, he's done it under the whistleblowing policy. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, then yeah. So, um, but no, I have heard a lot of what he said. Uh, you probably, you you probably got a lot there. You have what he's. Um, we um, should, for balance, say that Sunak says it's completely wrong to blame him, and that problems with the concrete will quote be resolved in a matter of weeks. And he claimed that one of the first things he did when he was chancellor was announce a ten-year rebuilding program for five hundred schools. Of course, what that doesn't do is say whether it was five hundred of the ones known to have got no. rack. No. Or just a random 500 schools or no particular schools identified in the first place. Well, well it so, does make you wonder, doesn't it? Because they're, they're talking about this figure and it's a bit of a, a, bit of a movable feast, but we're looking at between 100 and 150 over the yeah, last yeah, few days. Yeah, that's what it's looking like, yeah. Um, but then when, when they're asked to produce a list of schools that are affected, there's been... Um, people backing away from that all over the weekend. I heard, I saw Jeremy Hunt yesterday on all the Sunday programmes, and he, squirming right. in his seat really when he was asked to produce <laughs> produce a list, talking some you know nonsense about, oh, we're not going to do anything like that until we've given head teachers the opportunity to contact parents individually. I mean, they must be loving it, head teachers. Well, I've got to now get on, you know, rather than having a list of which schools are going to be open and which aren't. I've got to individually contact each parent to to tell them whether their their child can come to school. It's, it, well, of course, part of that is because it might not be the whole school. It might be one or two classrooms have got the materials. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's even more complicated, isn't it? It would be technically easy if it was the whole school mm. wouldn't it but you've got to work out oh well that no that class there they can't go there and but they they could easily i mean i think well, <clears throat> you're agreeing with me to a degree that they got i believe it the figure was twenty two thousand schools nationwide mm-hmm. and they're talking about 150 schools that they're saying are affected they could quite easily put a list yeah. up of those 150 schools so that those yeah. people who are in the 21,850 schools that aren't affected... Oh, I see what you mean. ..could say, well, well our kids are going to school on Monday and those who are in the yeah. 150 could contact the school. Yeah, I mean, it's a complete and utter dog's breakfast, isn't it, really, mm. to be honest? Uh, and it, 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 we were talking earlier about maybe a, a few questions we can ask... Uh, and, and let's let's go with always the no one would have wanted this to happen like this, mm. but it is it's it's hard to make it up, isn't it? That that literally two days before most kids go back to school on Wednesday, mm. that, that that you'd have this blow up when we've had at least six weeks mm. of a summer holiday. So what? Yeah, that's one of my questions. Why why is this suddenly now an issue? Uh, why wasn't it an issue in 2018 when that uh, classroom ceiling fell in? What's what's happened? So maybe we start there. Well, it, it is quite interesting, isn't it? And I, and, and I, I you know, it, I suppose it, it needs somebody within the department to answer. Let me to to add to that. I've, there's a there's a um, a hub that the Department for Education have got online, um, right. which is to contact. It's both it's for parents and for schools and for those in in education to be able to access to get the latest information 
And on the 31st of August, uh, the Department for Education issued, this court and it's headed up, new guidance for education settings advises that any space or area with confirmed rack should no longer be open without mitigations in place. Okay. And, and, and underneath that, it explains it a bit further. And it says, the government has been aware of rack in public sector buildings since 1994. In 2018, I mean, I think we covered this to a degree. In 2018, the Department for Education published guidance for schools about the need to have adequate contingencies in place for the eventuality that rack-affected buildings needed to be vacated at short notice. I mean, it's not, it's not, shouldn't be funny, but vacated at short notice? What are they talking about? Places falling down. Well, I think that, that's what that's what they're talking about. You know, it is. So this was in um, this was on the thirty first of August. Uh, they put this out. I mean, it feeds into what you were saying. Why would you put that out on the thirty first of August? That's what's I would contend. That's what's caused the panic. But why has she suddenly decided that it, it's reached such a crescendo on the thirty first? I did. Of I did hear that. Not schools, but there had been incidences of other buildings constructed with rack falling down, unnamed. Mm. But this had come to um, the Secretary of State's attention. Mm. Uh, but it would be helpful if someone said that. Yeah. Because at least at least it would make sense. It, it, it would, would be, be more, yeah. no, no, no less inconvenient, but at least it could make sense. Yeah. I mean, the guy, Jonathan Slater, who you were talking about, I don't know. Yeah. He was on the Today programme this morning, wasn't he? Which is where... I didn't hear it, but go on. Yeah. I wish I had. Um, a lot of quotes from that, but they were asking him um, about this survey that they, they'd done where he was talking about the money that needs to be spent on schools because they did a survey of, of schools. This was um, a while back. This was um, 2020. Okay. Um, and uh, the, uh, he said this morning, the frustrating thing in this particular case is that we carried out a survey. We knew what was needed. We knew that a proper school rebuilding program was going to be required. Otherwise, these sorts of panics would take place, they said. We weren't just saying there's a significant risk of fatality. We were saying there was a critical risk to life if this program is not funded. He also yeah. described how in 2018, whilst he was permanent secretary at the Department for Education, a concrete block fell from the roof of a primary school. So it wasn't just a risk, it was actually happening. Yeah, yeah I remember you know, that. Yeah. It just... It, it, um, it was during the holidays, so no one was hurt. Yeah. And yet they appear to have... There was a, there's some sort of risk analysis going on here that... that Presumably that the you know nobody took it seriously. Well, you'd think so. It, it, I heard somebody talking today, and I sort of must admit I did agree with it. And we talked about HS2 before, mm. and the billions and billions and billions of pounds that seem you know, available to that program to shave a few minutes off of journeys, which aren't that bad today. Yeah, and then you compare that with. You know where you bring school children in and their teachers and their classroom assistants every day 
uh, and one of the most important settings that, that children will ever go to, and they go there for a long, long time, why wouldn't you invest first in your schools? Mm. You can't do everything and accept that, but but surely there must be a pecking order of things that are must-dos before you look at your discretionary projects. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some suggestion, isn't there, that they that they diverted money away from the school rebuilding program into the academy project. Yes, which is something schools. that you know the, yeah. the Conservatives have been heavily into yeah. bringing the the private sector within, into the education system and, and 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 putting money into that, which um, I don't know. I, I, I don't, they're in a dreadful situation, aren't they, at the moment? But um, I don't know what, what what were some of your your other questions well, that you. Um, I mean, one one is probably more rhetorical, but why was Iraq used in the first place? I think you answered it. That that you know, as we came out of the war, we needed to invest. Um, the the you know, there was a need to to speed up, probably the the school build program. Yeah, population was expanding, so it, it is what it is. It was cost, and I haven't got an issue with that. But the more important question for me is. If it was known at the time that the mm. lifespan was 30 to 40 years, question two is, why wasn't a replacement plan put in and for, properly funded for T plus 30, 40 years? Mm. Why do you yeah. think that didn't happen? Um, it, it, it's all down to individual governments trying to either save on their budgets at the time isn't it which i think is what's happening here they're they're just they're just trying to pass the responsibility and and live on a wing and a prayer to the next Mm. government and hope that they don't have to find Mm. the money i mean it's got there are similarities between this and the grenfell thing aren't there really yes yeah there are you've got to be careful how you draw those but you're right it, it's all down to cost and how you yeah. you you and and one questions that you know there are you're quite right in what you were saying in terms of the uh, uh, you know the Second World War one of the things that he was mm. talking about this morning Mr Slater when he was on the Today program uh, he, he said the the schools were built after the Second World War and were only supposed to have a design life of thirty to forty years. Um, and the Treasury was supposedly funding these 100 rebuilds a year, which, as you said, was, was cut down to 50. And, and, and you just feel that there's not the... Um, there's, there's not... You could argue there's not the money in government, but you, as you pointed out just now, they've, they've got the money for vanity projects or they've got the money... Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, wh- whereas this ought to be bang top of the list. And... and uh, you know, from a political perspective, um, if he wasn't going through a hard enough time at the moment, soon this is like um, an, the nail in the coffin, isn't it? Really, I think. Well, it's not a priority, is it? It's not one of the five. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, okay, then. So um, we've we've sort of figured out then why a replacement plan wasn't put in place is because. Mm-hmm everything's too short term i do wonder if you were building a house for yourself would you build a roof that would only last 30 years probably not no uh, you might have to refelt it but you know you'd probably want something a bit more but if you knew it was only going to last 30 years 
Uh, yeah, you, yeah. You might put some provision in place if you were young enough, mightn't you? I have heard, you've probably heard on the on the media over the weekend, I have heard structural engineers saying that this stuff doesn't necessarily need a whole-scale replacement. Um, it can, There are workarounds that can give it a longer okay. life than 30 to 40 years. Okay. Um, and that involves... Um, uh, steel corners so I from my recollection for, okay. for certain and there are three or four different ways you can do this um, and because the irony of this is of course that this was um this has already been discovered in the NHS quite a few years back and yeah well, I think we talked this talked about this as well on a yeah. previous part yeah and they're three quarters or or, or seven eighths through the way of actually dealing with it so that's not yeah. it's not quite as bad within the NHS, so, albeit that they've got um, they're holding up certain buildings with with um, uh, pillars at the moment with metal, yeah, you know, that's metal right, joists and what have you. That's one of the mitigations. That's what that's what we'll have. Yeah, we'll have all these. Um, I'm not sure what they're called, <laughs> but I know what you mean. Those tension pillars. Yeah, everywhere. It's, so so the question the question is though, you know, it's always easy where we sit to criticise mm. and maybe overreact if. If you were the schools minister then, and you suddenly find out it's 156 schools, uh, what would you do right now? What would you be saying to the head teachers in terms of what they should be saying to the parents? I think if I could determine, and I think that's half the problem, that they're not in a position to determine the size of the problem, I don't think for one minute it's going to be. If uh, given the benefit of the doubt, if it was 150 schools, yeah. I think I'd be being a lot more definitive in the way that I'm dealing with it, rather than, or maybe at the moment we have it, we're, we're hearing, or maybe it'll come out of um, DFE budget, and maybe it'll come out of local authority budget. Yeah. I mean, somebody needs to step in and say, we're going to pay for this. We're going to have it done by this date. And kids will be back in those okay. schools affected by this date and what have you. Right. So there's no room for ambiguity. But you there. wouldn't let children in the school. Would you take a risk assessment? Would you say, look, I, I these would. have been here for 65 years. We've only had one roof come down in Kent. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't let children into schools. I think you... you okay. Uh, I mean... You can make, you can take a chance and say the probabilities of this happening is yeah. so much, but you know it's not as though there's no excuses about not having known about it. And I think a lot of parents um, would quite understandably say, "Well, I'm not sending my kid to that school if if yeah. um, you know if if there's a chance that 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 might happen." I mean, complicating this issue even further is that the asbestos has come into the equation, isn't it, as well over the last. In some few cases, days. yeah, it's an yeah an insulation technique, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's always been. You'll remember from your well, maybe I don't know what buildings you worked in, but I remember from my days with the bank that um, a lot of the buildings that we used to work in ostensibly had asbestos, but as it was enclosed, and and the building was considered to be sound they they passed that sort of thing didn't they even though you know there's lots of buildings in this country that have got asbestos in but i guess if you're um if you're talking about this stuff collapsing and having asbestos close by then that's mm. you know especially if they're post-war buildings <coughs> a lot of them will have had 
I you can't that's... unbreathe it, can you? Once no. you breathe it, you can't unbreathe it. So anyway, so just to get, so you're all for closing either the 150 schools or those class areas in those schools or halls which are affected. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. so. Does that in in that case do you ignore hospitals, courts, GPs, dentists? Just let people go on with it because they're not kids. No, you don't. But what do you, you do can't, with that then? Um, You've got to. I mean, this is the whole issue, isn't it? You've got to determine yeah. what the problem is in those particular yeah. areas before you can do, do anything same. about it. Um, and and <coughs> you, you can't. I mean, I think um, uh, in the, in those particular circumstances, you need to do a quick, very quick survey of of. Um, what buildings are actually being used and determined. Now, um, yeah, I think on, uh, in those instances, I think you probably do have to make a probability decision because otherwise you'd bring the whole of the country to a standstill, wouldn't you? Mm. But you do need to have in place uh, um, a schedule of works to get yeah. that done by a given period of time again. which uh, So I'm talking public buildings here. What mm. about children's hospitals? Children's hospitals. Um, yeah, are they ahead of every other hospital? Well, I thought the NHS had got a handle on this. So yeah, you I, did say yeah, that. To be fair, yeah. I think I think the NHS is okay. hopefully you know outside of. I mean, there, there are there are difficult decisions to be to be made, and it's almost as though they've been sweeping this all under the carpet. And it's um, it, I mean, what your interesting question is um, given that it, nothing has um nothing has collapsed over the last month or so or over the last mm. year or so mm. why three days before mm. a new school term what, mm. what is it that's caused what is it that that I, i'm just bemused by the timing of it all unless there's something we're not being told i think there definitely is something we're not being told because mm. let's face it you couldn't make it up could you if you sat there had a strategy meeting as to how to inconvenience the nation's teachers, teaching assistants, head teachers, parents, children, as much as possible, you'd say, announce a school closure one or two days before the start of the school term. <laughs> That's what you would do, wouldn't you? If that was your objective. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't you wouldn't start here, would you? So so something has happened, information has come to hand, maybe that request for extra information that always happens in the background has now become so convincing. The information is now so compelling yeah. that 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 in this case the Secretary of State couldn't risk any any more. So let me let me turn a question back on you. Let me ask you you a question then, um, and I'm asking you to speculate here completely. Yeah. Do you believe this is limited to 150 schools? No, I don't. I I find it quite odd that um, a, a well-known building technique, no matter how flawed, uh, that was around in the 50s, 60s and 70s, when we were expanding the number of schools or in adding to the existing schools, I find it odd that only 1% of them, because that is the stat, would have rack. Um, I think one of the problems is, and I was listening to some guy on the radio this morning, he said that 
to actually find out if you've got it, you can't just go and look. No. You, you've literally got to dismantle what's there. And he said the doing that in every room of every school mm. is difficult. And he also said that the problem he found is that there's no plans. No. You, you, you say to the school, can you give me your, your drawings so I can sort of do this in a methodical way? And there's nothing. No. And he said, contrast that with a job he did. He was a structured engineer. Contrast that with a job he did in, he said, Amsterdam uh, uh, for, for a building out there. He said, could I have the plans, please? And they said, here they are. They're, sorry, they're a bit dusty. You know, they're 40 years old, but here yeah. they are. Yeah. So that's another issue. So do I believe it's only 1%? No, I don't. No, no. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I heard virtually the same as what you were saying there, that they had, they originally all had plans, but apparently they, most of them have been thrown out as years have gone by and they're, oh, what's this? So oh, I don't know, put it in the shredder. And, and no, you, it just, it, it, to an outsider, it just seems astonishing, doesn't it, that, that nobody's oh, it kept uh, a detailed plans of what's been used. Um, and we haven't also, so if we accept that we don't believe the 1%, well, that's a risk at the Secretary of State's door, isn't it, mm. basically? Uh, um, the other question is, we've been talking about public sector, how many private sector offices, buildings, yeah. oh, swimming pools, that's another one, gyms, yeah. Yeah. you name it, how many buildings have rack in their structures? And what, what, what should be done about that? Well, I guess the individual companies who own those buildings have, are now under obligation to carry out a check, aren't yeah. they? And and, yeah. and find out. I mean, the problem, not the problem, but one of the problems with that is that if they find that rack is used in the buildings that they own, then um, they're going to be liable for anything that goes wrong if they don't do something about it. And we are in a Grenfell situation, aren't we, where we've got materials yeah. that have been used in buildings yeah. which are sooner or later somebody's going to, to sort them out and it's a question of yeah. where the money's going to come from um because the you know the the um i suppose it depends upon what the size of the company is some of these huge multinationals it wouldn't necessarily be a problem but if you're a smaller company or if you're you're, there, you're using old 1950s buildings and and yeah. I don't know when it says between the 1950s and the 1990s so it's not that long ago is it we were still building um no yeah you know, I was thinking this morning about where I used to go to school and uh, they they built these prefab buildings for raising yeah, the school prefabs, leaving yeah. age you know the, the yeah. yeah um and I've no doubt you know they they're probably all built on these these um with this stuff which um yeah would have been cheap at the time interestingly the technique is used in um uh a lot of domestic properties because breeze blocks use the same if you look at a breeze block that's yeah. like aero, aero. Yeah. but of course they're individual and they don't have the same load because no. they're not spanning they're supported by the one underneath so so yeah. it's not quite the same. Yeah, just it's just interesting. Well, I hope not. Otherwise, I think we're all going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge. I mean, you look at that. I mean, the, the other question I suppose that needs to be looked at at some point now is is the um, uh, the cost liability to the country. I mean, we're we're, we're almost 
our economies at a standstill at the moment to all intents and purposes although good news for the chancellor this week wasn't it we we've grown by 0.6% as opposed That's to right, 0.1% the, last year yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, they they always restate the figures don't they yeah. but yeah. it's 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 not game changing no and uh, the, this money if if well, the first thing we need to do somehow is establish what the or the scale the of the problem is. is and i just don't yeah. think they have at the moment but yeah. uh, so i guess i mean my my conclusion on this is it's uh, it's not unexpected. I think successive um, Secretary of State's for Education, I guess, have kicked this into the long grass, mm. kept asking for more information for reasons that we don't know, but we can at least suspect this has suddenly become a big issue. And frankly, it's another one of these areas saying we've got broken Britain again. So we're going to um, start with a new feature this week, aren't we? We're going to do a bit of freewheeling and just see what's been mm. in the news that's um, that's caught the eye. So uh, what's what's been uh, in your news agenda, Guy? Well, yeah, an interesting one uh, around school uniforms. It's that time of year mm. uh, where most parents are, frankly, already um, sort of freshened up uh, the school yeah. uniforms as the kids have grown out of what they had or changed schools. And you know, it's, it's different now because the, the providers of these uniforms obviously have to sort of uh, catalogue them up online and what have you. And um, you know, in our day, it was boys or girls. But now schools are beginning to use gender neutral terms such as uniform A, B or C mm. instead of boys and girls. And it means that kids can wear what they feel they want to to most reflect their self identified gender yeah and i read that and i thought my goodness times are changing it's a minefield isn't it really i it, would imagine it is um, it is because do, do you if you're um are you are you you're asking the kids whether they want to express themselves which i don't think is any bad thing but then are they then going to be able to do that with their parents because of the parents presumably there'll be different varying degrees of for want of a better word, liberality amongst parents as to yeah. what some parents will allow their kids to wear and what others yeah. won't. Yeah, know, it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I remember going back. You were talking that one of the problems with school uniforms is that is the cost, isn't it? I know this is another yeah. issue, but we used to have to go to Broadley Brothers and they had the market for for school uniforms and it was it was yeah. through the roof. But. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know about that one. I'm not sure. I mean, if you, if you're, I know your your lads have long since left school, mm. but um, if your lads were of, of that sort of age, yeah. um, what would your would at eleven say? Because I presume we're talking about secondary school, are we? Or that high uh, school they call it now? Any uniform, um, but most likely secondary school. Yeah. Mm. And how would you feel, you know, about your... I'd probably be fairly uh, fairly sort of neutral to it. Um, I'd find it a bit odd simply because of where I've come from, that, you know, mm. you don't get the, the, the catalogue as it would be online now, but you don't get the choices of boys and girls, but no. it's A, B and C. But, you know, um, I, I, to the best of my knowledge, all of my lads would have chosen... Um, what would be deemed as the boys' uniform, so it probably yeah. wouldn't have been an issue yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I would probably have been 
shocked and wouldn't quite know how to deal with it if one of them chose unif- uniform B instead. Yeah. Uh, and then then my main worry would be less about their choice but more about how that would be perceived, I guess. Mm. Mm. But um, one of the head teachers uh, behind this story said actually they'd been doing this for a long time and they tried to avoid uh, these sort of boys, girls references in most things so yeah. that, uh, to quote to quote the article, that children can wear what they feel most appropriate to reflect their self-identified gender. Mm. So that's what's going. I guess my only worry is that does it does it any in any way cause sort of angst the other way where maybe a child would feel pressure to for friends or whatever to to choose the other uniform mm. or a mix and match when they're really not sure where they are. Well, it's a young so that, age to have to make that sort of decision. Very young isn't it, really? age, yeah. And it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, but things, it, times are changing, and that just just that. caught my eye, really. Please try that again. Oh, Alexa's just. Have you heard her coming in there? I don't know what she. No, it's always good to. Yeah, I always yeah. like Alexa coming in. Good to know. Um, yeah, I, I, I um, yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting. Um, I suppose it's, it's been brought to the fore, as you quite rightly say. Maybe schools have been moving in that direction, and we've not really been aware of of that over no. over the years. And I think it's not necessarily a problem in terms of um, gender neutrality in that. Girls have or have often worn trousers. That's not an issue. Well, yeah. I think it's probably a. a it, it's it's probably going to be more highlighted if a if if um, a boy identifies as female, really, because otherwise that well, that's where yeah, the I issues mean, that would be clearly yeah. obvious, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 So yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm. Yeah, life seemed to be a lot simpler when we were younger. It did. It did feel so. Um, mm. So yeah, that caught my eye. Along with the the news today that um, this miracle weight loss jab, I think you call it Wagovi, Wagovi, or yeah, Wagovi, yeah, yeah. is now available on a sort of trial basis via specialist NHS uh, weight loss services and some private doctors. Mm. Uh, it, the drug basically really just suppresses appetite. Hmm. through a very slow release of a hormone and allegedly participants in studies lost 15% of their weight on average that's a lot of weight yeah and there's some um positive uh, other effects of this drug as well and i thought crikey you know that that could significantly change our efforts to to help with people who are overweight or obese. Yeah. And obviously the aim of the government is to reduce the long-term burden on the NHS. But mm. uh, I don't know if you've seen that one as well. I, I have, and I thought the same as you. That It seems um, uh, the the suggestion is that it's almost a, a wonder drug because it treats yeah. a number of different conditions. It, it treats, as it was initially developed, it treats diabetes, I believe. Um, and it, uh, in addition to obesity, it also treats um, heart failure. Um, and and so, whether they can produce it um, to a cost level that will make it um, effective, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how much it'll cost the NHS because I think it's going to be yeah. huge demand for this fairly the, quickly. What I, what I saw is they, they the journalists sort of dug around a bit and they found a similar drug but not the same was seventy five pound a month. Right, and they're talking about this being uh, eligible, millions being eligible for this. So, 
it's not cheap. But I no. suppose if you then balance that against the reduced demand, if there is a reduced demand yeah. on the NHS. But but I did think, you know, I thought about myself in that, like most people, I, en- I enjoy my food. And the only thing, <laughs> this, is, this is probably, I'd probably need to read the study, but, but if I had a drug that made me feel full, in other words, suppress my mm. appetite, I'd still be tempted to have that cheesecake or apple pie and ice cream because I love the taste of it. Well, so I, yeah. I just wonder if it works. But that's the whole, you, you nailed it in one there, in that you used the word taste. Yeah. Because I think that's what this does. It, 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 whereas before, I'm not speaking for myself here, whereas before, you know, you'd, you'd have half the Black Forest Gatto. Yes. Um, now you can get away with a teaspoon of it because you're satiated in terms of you feel full, but you're yeah. just getting the taste. And that's what satisfies the receptors, you you know, on your tongue and and in your brain. So um, I think that that's probably the thinking behind it. But certainly whoever developed this Wagovi, um, presumably their share price has gone up quite a lot. Uh, It's exactly what's happened because I had a look at that. Uh, Mm. I've forgotten the name now. It's a Danish company, I think. Yeah, and Danish pastry, perhaps. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I need some of that, so I'll, I'll, you know, in due course, I'll, uh, I'll tell you how it goes. Okay. Okay. What Danish pastry? <laughs> well, that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing was this was sort of in the news a bit last week, and probably has been over the last few months. Working from home. Mm, good um, idea. We've touched on this before. We have. Uh, and yeah, um, uh, you know, most firms now are beginning to insist that, that you've got to come back to work either full time, which some of the investment banks have done, or part of the week. I think most are landing on the the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday rhythm. So you've got to be in the office mm. if you're in an office job three times a week out of five. And um, you know, it's it's. I think the the uh, the period of the pandemic is, is is beginning to fizzle out and more and more firms are saying well look if you're going to be productive and contribute to the team and give full value to the company you you need to be in the office and i must admit i'm <laughs> I, i'm coming around to that way of thinking because you've got uh, some people you do like hmrc or i think i mean one day a week it's just hopeless you can even hear it in the connectivity when you try to get through to someone so I'm 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 supporting this, um, but and and it's also good for uh, cities as well uh, who uh, have been deprived of their customers. Well, again, funnily enough, I was listening to a report on this yesterday, and because a lot of people have started talk, talking about it as the uh, the Pret effect in terms of the cities. You know, the, the Pret and Montjuic, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. they, they've noticed a drop in their takings for their uh, inner city outlets, which as you, yeah, as you would expect. But the interesting thing is they've also noticed um, an increase in sales for their outlets in smaller towns and inevitably. So, so obviously people are going there. So that, and that surely if we're meant to be looking at reducing our carbon footprint, is a good thing, not a bad thing. Well, I mean, all this idea that you have to go into, you have to commute into a, a place of work, is is 
I think it's been shown to be, as it happened during the pandemic, it's been shown to be a bit of a nonsense. And I was trying to work this out in my own head, why people, you know, why people like yourselves are so keen on this idea that people have to go in. Because the productivity doesn't prove it either. The productivity figures, if anything, are showing that people working from home are more productive than those people who go into an office. And there's there's two things that I've come up with. One is that it's um, the pound of flesh syndrome. The, we want to be able to stand over people and make sure they're doing things exactly as we would do them and, and work needs to be seen to be done rather than actually be done and trust people and treat them uh, like like adults. And and the other the other part of it, which I think probably fits in with you your good self, because I know you're quite a you're quite a, a liberal manager, I would have thought, or were quite a liberal manager back in your salad days. Mm. Um, I, the other one I think is probably more that it is there's there's split down the middle. I think in this country there's there's those people who are social, who like the hubbub of of uh, you know the great unwashed and like to be able to smooth people and and wander around and have a glass of wine and then. <laughs> talk to the movers and shakers and then there's the other half of us who want to stay as far away from the human race as we possibly can and I, and I think that's why we're probably split 50-50 down the middle I think in this country so maybe those people who want to do all the cocktail parties and all the the schmoozing maybe they ought to go back to work and leave the rest of us in peace to work from a <laughs> from home as we had been doing quite satisfactorily yeah. as we no, were doing I, quite satisfactory during the pandemic I, I, I think I think um, I think the evidence is there you know you, you broken Britain isn't it you try and get through to any contact centre and you know they're all working from home and you but can't can't get through Twas ever thus that was like that before the pandemic and before people oh, supposedly started working much worse. from home I think the the other thing is is the uh, the benefit of working next to more experienced people uh, and it, it's, it's far more efficient if you've got a chat if you've got an issue and you can just lean over to your colleague and say look could you tell me what I do here um, so there's learning off others there's definitely the networking effect I think it's important for particularly for younger uh, for people younger in their career to uh, rub shoulders with uh, their elders. I, I wouldn't and, argue uh, with the, the, the elders. This yeah. is what this is. That some this is native Indian talk, isn't it? The the elders smoking the peace pipe and giving out words of wisdom. No, it's, it 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 is. It, I'm not sure about smoking the pipe, but certainly giving out <laughs> words of wisdom and guidance. Uh, and I, so I think I think where I am is uh, I'm not in in the sort of dinosaur category of five days a week. Uh, but I do understand how a firm would want its staff in for three days out of five. I don't see that's unreasonable. That's the basis that most people took the job. Why, in the why first do you place. say? Um, and what, why do you say? Don't think that's unreasonable. Well, why? Why? I, I've yet to hear what the benefit. I mean, I, I take on board what you're saying in terms of the training, and I agree with you on the training. But but that's massive. When, when somebody's young and they're joining the company, then they need to have some sort of training. And on the job training, I would agree with going. But once they've gone through the training and they understand what they're meant to be doing, I see no benefit whatsoever to have that. That assumes that people aren't learning every day, which which they are. 
Well, they can learn online as much as they can learn anywhere. And you're talking to me now. If I want to talk to some old some old fart who's worked for the company for 30 years, I can call them up exactly as I am now. And, and well, I, might, I might be on a podcast, Sean, if I'm sitting, <laughs> if I'm sitting across a desk. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need to be sat next yeah. to some, you know, geriatric old what's-it to be able to get that information it, it, it's all to do with it, it you've been a bit harsh it? on yourself sure <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i don't see that you can't get i mean i think it ought to be it's a matter of choice in my view this is the problem it's a, other people trying to dictate to other people what they how they can and can't lead their lives you know well, they're not if dictating want, are if, they they're saying, well, they are they're dictating. saying here's the job it's in this office well that's if you'd dictating. like to join that's if, dictating what? isn't it you don't have to join that company well, no, you, you can go somewhere else. You are dictating because you're effectively saying, even though the job can be done from home, we insist that you come into the office. But that's but you. you don't have to take that job, do you? But you, you can you go and talk, be a copywriter you, somewhere you and live in about, a black hole. Yeah, but you weren't talking about new people taking jobs. You're talking about people being forced back to the office now after the pandemic. Yeah, but they would have joined. The majority of them would have joined when they knew what they were walking into. Yeah, but yeah, but lives change. Things move on. We don't. You know, we've got the printing press now. We're not, we're not we're not still living in the dark ages and the all that's happened is the pandemic has moved what do you know on. about printing presses <laughs> they've all gone digital <laughs> all this has done has moved, it's moved us on so that you know the old boys like yourself who who want to go back you know the the, the luddites who want to go backwards um they can do that you're more than happy you know i i've got no problem with all the old timers who want to continue to to get up at six o'clock in the morning and 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 spend two hours driving to work and get wet in the process and then do the same on the way back in the dark and get home seven o'clock at night when it's pitch black where you can effectively get up an hour before you start work and finish on time at home and have that work-life balance i don't see that anything's to be gained by forcing people to go to a, a building but um, there we are. We're on them. Well, I just think we have to agree to disagree. Um, but the the tide's changing. Um, WFH will remain, but I think it'll be a part time WFH. Time That's will where tell. It's going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, more importantly, um, mm. you, you know your Russian history, don't you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm 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 going to finish. Ra, I know you ra, may have Rasputin. some. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, leader of the Russian uh, yeah, Queen. Boney M. Yeah, lover of the Russian uh, Queen. Even. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. No, okay, no, but yeah. anyway, mm. um, the the Tsar of Russia about three hundred years ago, mm. um, he decided to ban beards. Did he? Crikey. And I just thought I'd ask you. First of all, do you do you agree with him? And the second reason, if you'd been the Tsar of Russia. What would you have banned? What would I have banned? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, Take the first one first. Do you agree with him? Do I agree with him? Um, well, I clearly, as you can see, I, I clearly have a beard of sorts. Um, wow. And uh, so, I, I, again, I suppose it's a matter of personal choice, isn't it, really, as to whether you have a beard or not? Although I do think that you have... I think there are beards and beards in that um, I'm not sure I'd fancy one of these long... You know the long because there's too much grooming involved in that. Oh, yeah, like um, yeah, hipster, yeah. hipster beard, hipster yeah. beards, yeah, and, and all of this stuff where you're putting, 
you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a bit lazy, but it takes sort of an hour and a half to oil it in the morning yeah. and, and sort yeah, of now. Yeah, so, yeah. so on on that front, um, um, I, I I suppose I part company with him to a degree. Mm. Um, as to what I would ban, am I am I looking at it from the basis of if I were alive three hundred years ago, or, or what well, I'd to be fair, I'll, I'll I'll say if you were the leader of any country and you could ban something, mm. what would you ban? Right. What executive order would you publish? Uh, celery, I think. <laughs> celery? <laughs> yes. Celery. It's disgusting stuff. Stringy, celery done smells to you? horrible, and, and make, it makes me feel nauseous just to smell it at a distance, really. Celery. It's the base of any good Italian vegetable mix. Celery? celery. Oh, no, no. Do yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, celery, I, onion, sofrito mix. Yeah, yeah I, will eat, I will eat any food, but not, not celery. I mean, that's not true, actually. I'll have it in a sofrito mix if it's cooked. Uh, it's only the raw, raw stuff that, that, um, that I... So you're a part-time celery hater, then. I am, a, yeah, uh, I, yeah. i tell you, do you want to know what I would ban? I guess, yeah. I would ban... <laughs> <laughs> Don't send it. I would ban people putting their mobile phone on speaker on public transport. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I hate that. Yeah. That's not yeah. an issue that Czar, what's it, 300 years ago faced, though, I suppose, was it? Yeah, he yeah. might have wanted to... Well, I said we yeah. bring it forward to the modern day. You did, uh, yeah. Because yeah. what I can't stand, and, and I, I am actually amazed how people think that people are interested in mm. hearing their domestic conversations because most of them are quite boring mm. you know what time are you going to be back yeah well, you know, yeah good have a lovely day and you think why do they is it is it because people are too lazy to do the old thing and put the phone up to the ear is it is it or is it the phones are too big now? Oh, yeah, too I mean, heavy? You, you, oh, you, 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 because oh, I was thinking whether you have it on speakerphone or whether you have it up to your ear or not. I think no, speakerphone. Public. Oh, right. Speakerphone. No, yeah. no, no. Well, you get on a train. Next time you're on a train yeah. or a bus, you you just look for the number of people who have conversation on their phone on speakerphone away from there. You're just holding it like I in their lap. I, I don't know why you. Do, I mean, I I don't like having calls on a on a mobile at all but on speakerphone that would seem it's almost as though no, you, you've, got on, a, is it? you've got a f sort of fetish for broadcasting everything that you yeah. you think everybody else has got an interest in what you've um, what's happening in your life isn't it really? well it's a bit like the debate this morning on because a lot of people this time of year post pictures of their kids returning to school mm. Uh, and their new uniforms <laughs> to, to go full circle. Yeah. And frankly, I just find that completely dull. Who cares? Yeah. Who, who, cares? who gives yeah. the monkeys? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like people yeah. who put pictures of dogs on their Facebook. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And cats. Yeah. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And, on, and on on that note, I'll leave you to oh. your. Oh. Sorry, one more. Sorry, no, I do no, apologise. I, I thought you had breaking news on on Gillian Keegan. Oh yes, I do. Um, yeah, the news is, and I've just I've just picked this up. If you could bear with me, I'll bet, well, is, uh, professional to the last. That's what yes, I like to see. Indeed. Um, so <laughs> I don't know quite how it is. Uh, so Gillian Keegan has uh, caused a bit of a stir. For those um, who weren't with us at the beginning, she's the education secretary. Yeah, about four hours ago. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, 
she, I won't quite quote her because it's broadcast, but Gillian Keegan claims she's doing a effing good job <laughs> as education secretary as she was caught protesting on camera over tough questions about the school concrete affair. The rack we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Keegan said that others had sat on their asses and done nothing at all <laughs> as she challenged an ITV news reporter about coverage of the school's <laughs> orders to close. So it just shows you that uh, even experienced, highly media-trained ministers yeah. can lose their rag. Nice that she's nuancing it so well so that we're not aware of what she actually thinks. It's, uh, yeah. To be absolutely honest, I quite, I quite like that. I wish more ministers would do this. It, might, it would make interviews far more interesting. And on that bombshell, we're off. Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed Riff Raff News. Please leave some comments on the app or on our Facebook page. And uh, please subscribe and then episodes will drop automatically into your podcast feed.